This is Vital Conversations, the podcast with Dr. Lars Gunner. Bruna. Yes. Good after morning. Yes. What time is it where you're at? <laughs> it is one o'clock right here. Where I'm at. One oh four. Yeah. I'm still in morning mode. And it, <laughs> that's fine. Bruna Nassif, you are an author and a a bunch of other yeah. things. And I want to hear exactly how you describe it. I don't it. even know how to. Uh, <laughs> funny backstory. We went to the same high school and we didn't even meet each other till about 10 years well, afterward, we which I think is primary school. I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause your mom was a proctor as well. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Oh my goodness. So we have long, long ties. I like it. So tell me what you do why you do it and let's start okay. from there. <laughs> um, yes, I do many things. Um, it's kind of hard to answer that question. I was primarily a writer, so I did publish a book called Let That Shit Go, A Journey to Forgiveness, Healing, and Understanding Love. Um, and also my degree is in journalism, so I did a lot of that. Um, and then recently I kind of did a slight pivot, although to me, it's always been in the background and it just kind of became the focus, which is spirituality. Um, so I am an intuitive and a certified life coach. So I kind of have blended the two and do kind of like hybrid coaching for people. A word that's been thrown around is spiritual advisor. I mean, works for me if it works for you. Not a huge fan of labels. I just kind of do what I do. So I do, um, energy healing, whether that's through Reiki or anything else I do, uh, Oracle card readings and coaching. Mm -hmm. So it's just a fun bag of all kinds of stuff. I love, I love kind of letting my creativity go and see what happens, but it's all mm -hmm. centered around healing and personal development mm -hmm. and spirituality, which I know that word can kind of means something different to everybody, but that's kind of the magic of it. And I like exploring that. So, yeah. I like it. Full, authentic creativity. Yeah, I try. <laughs> uh, let's talk about your book and then we'll, we'll bring it back to where okay. you are now. So it sounds like you've always been in the healing realm. So what sparked this interest in, in authoring a book? You know, it's funny how life just kind of comes full circle. Like, you might take um, so many different like pit stops or what may seem like detours, but you always end up where you're meant to be. And so psychology was always like a huge interest of mine. That was my initial major. And I started taking psychology classes in middle school, actually, because my middle school actually offered that. Um, and then I was so gung-ho on like, I'm going to be a psychologist. I'm going to be like the next Dr. Phil. <laughs> but even even then like I knew I was like I'm going to help people I'm going to write books I'm going to have a show like I'm going to do all these things then I got to college and I took you know all the prerequisite classes I needed to transfer and get my psychology degree and one of the classes was a neuropsych class and that shit freaked me out. I felt so overwhelmed and intimidated. I was like, this isn't it for me. This isn't the right path. And so I had like what I felt was a crisis, um, an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. just like, well, what do I do now? Like I had a plan, you know, I'm also a Capricorn if anyone resonates with that. So they understand. Um, but I remembered that also in middle school, I had, uh, a lot of interest in writing. And I actually, in seventh grade, wrote a letter to Seventeen Magazine to tell oh. them that I oh. really wanted to intern for them one day and like ask them what I would need to do to make that happen. And they wrote back mm -hmm. and they were like, oh my gosh, yes, take journalism courses. And we're based in New York, you know, all this stuff. So I kind of went back to that. I was like, well, I had interest in writing. So maybe that's something to pursue again. So I started doing mm -hmm. uh, journalism courses, got my degree in communications with an emphasis in broadcast journalism. Um, but writing was always something that just kind of came easy to me. And, uh, you know, back then it was mostly on 
what was that site called? Zanga. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> Zanga, Zanga yep and, like the one of the yeah, first blogs so Zanga and um like the MySpace bulletin boards like that's where all my emotions and feelings mm-hmm. would go to live and the response was pretty great like people were always just like oh my gosh like this is exactly how I feel that I didn't know how to put it into words and that kind of stuck with me and mm-hmm. so throughout the course of my life you know I worked initially in the entertainment industry um, and entertainment journalism, but I also kind of birthed my own blog and uh, platform called The Problem with Dating. And so I was doing a lot of dating focused, Mm. relationship focused work. And I loved it at the time, you know, because it was also aligned with the first time in my life that I was single. So I was like using myself Mm. as my biggest case study, which I do with everything. And Man, people really loved hearing my dating horror stories. So, but I, <laughs> Why are we always drawn to those? those you know, are so popular and it's, and it's, it's, people. So the problem with dating, like the name was really catchy. And actually my best friend who you mm-hmm. also know, she is also a client. She's actually the one who referred me to you, uh, Nicole. She was always like, mm-hmm. man, I love it, but I'm mm-hmm. worried that you're going to manifest the problem with dating, you know, because that's the name. And at the time I was kind of like, no, you're reading too much into it. Like it's fine. Also like, what am I going to call it? The joys of dating? (laughs) Like no one's going to read that. Like people through pain. So um, (laughs) I would write a lot about that. And then I was doing that for about seven years total, but about a couple years in, I knew like a book was coming. I just knew there was going to be a book. I didn't know what it was going to be about though. And over time, I just realized that, you know, I never really gave too much of myself away. It was always kind of, Mm. I knew my story and I used that as the vehicle to help spark dialogue on certain things, but like general things like ghosting or cheating or, um, you know, dark moments Mm -hmm. that help you find yourself and things like that. And so in the book, Um, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this is where I'm going to kind of let it all come out. And so I, I, the vulnerability coming off and, and getting really specific. I mean, I don't mention names, you know, because that's not necessary. And I think also it's just one of those things Mm -hmm. where anyone can read certain chapters. So the book is basically every chapter is a story of a different relationship with a man in my life to kind of help illustrate Mm -hmm how I learned love, how I experienced love, how I would show love and I guess receive it. I mean, debatable, but it was, you know, (laughs) just, um, it was almost kind of like a journal. And the whole point was to show Mm -hmm. that there's always a lesson to be taken from it, regardless of how it would turn out. And also how so much of our adult relationships stem or those dynamics stem from the childhood wounds that we got um, from the relationships with our parents. Mm -hmm. And so one chapter is with my relationship with my father and it kind of like you see me with these different men and all the shit that happened with them. And then you go back to me and my dad and you're like, Oh, okay. So really it all stems back. Yeah. So it was very therapeutic for me um, to write, but also as you can imagine, (laughs) very scary because I'm like, Oh shit. Okay. People are going to know my business. But Mm -hmm. um, I'm a big believer that, you know, big risks equal big rewards. And I put myself out there and I was very vulnerable and I allowed myself to be seen in ways that I hadn't before. And the response was beautiful. You know, I I got lots of messages from people who were like, I felt like I was reading my own diary. And that was the point is just regardless of how specific certain instances in my life were or memories or whatever, if you went through something similar, you can identify with that. So it doesn't matter what the person's name is. You could put a name on it if there's someone in your life who reminds you of what happened. It's the fact that we cling to our pain so much and feel like it's so unique to us that we don't talk about it openly. And when we don't talk about the hard stuff openly, we tend to feel like we're the only one going through it. And that can feel really isolating and lonely Mm -hmm. and difficult. But when you do open up about it, you realize like, oh, shit, like a lot of people deal with this. Like, I'm not alone in this. 
And that's like a comforting feeling. So, oh, it's it's alarming how much overlap there is in the the inability to communicate, and and more specifically about what majority of fights are about two main things. One is going to be my assumption of reality and what I think it should be, and then the other one are other thing is complexes that I've carried forward that they can be touched by any, any little words. A majority of fights are going to come from one of those two things. And then you can trace those back and do uh, communication issues within relationships. And and we all have them. They all just get revealed and all of us, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a societal thing where we've been taught to not be vulnerable because it's scary or it reminds us of, of a time where we didn't feel safe. And really, if you just lay it all out, don't let, energy stay stuck. Yeah. It I is mean, very interpretation is probably the number one killer of any form of intimacy or bonding because we, we interpret a lot and we don't take the time to backtrack and like clarify things to the point where it's even just like love in general. Like we all expect love and mm-hmm. we expect it to show up in a way where we understand it and we assume that if it's not showing up in a way we understand then it's not there instead of taking the time to be like okay well Mm -hmm. how were you shown love growing up or what does love look like to you what is your love language you know to better understand the other person instead of just assuming that everyone was raised like you or has the same experiences as you do and that it's going to show up a certain way and that does also lead to just media and like you were mentioning like societal things that we've been fed for so long making us believe like oh that's what love looks like that's what it is and it's like actually no (laughs) it's a wide variety of things you have to figure out which one works for you yeah Mm -hmm. have you found that as you wrote this book a lot of people outpoured to you i'm i'm more curious do people have a harder time accepting love or giving love in a relationship or is it kind of case dependent that you've seen from what I would say it's much harder to receive it's um Mm. there was a great video I saw on TikTok that I posted on my IG story of this man listen they really do and I was very hesitant to get on the TikTok train because I was like ugh so anti all these all this new stuff but then I was like you know what they are spit facts. I can't even lie. Um, he did this wonderful speech on giving and receiving. And he noted something that was so profound that I don't think people recognize when it comes to that, which is it's very easy to give love. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like you're doing something good. It makes It fills you up to give love, but it takes courage to receive it. And so a lot of us tend to get in this selfish pattern, which it sounds kind of contradictory because in your mind, you're like, I'm giving love. How is that selfish? And it's like, it's selfish because you're not opening yourself Mm -hmm. up to let the other person experience what you are now experiencing by letting them give to you. You block it off because you're afraid Mm -hmm. of being vulnerable or you're afraid of allowing that in. Um, So you give, 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 but you don't let the wall down to receive. And I mean, I get it. Like, that's been one of the things with Mm -hmm. me, too, as you know, because it shows up in my body (laughs) where I'm super guarded. (laughs) And so it's hard for me to fully let Mm -hmm. go and create space for love to be given to me because there's a sense of control there that if I'm constantly Mm -hmm. giving, then I can rationalize that I am a loving person and that there is love under my control but I won't open it up to the point where it's like, oh, now I have zero control and just have to see who will or won't then pour into me um, or even give people the opportunity mm. to because I don't, I'm don't, i too afraid of them not doing it. So, yeah, receiving is much more difficult mm-hmm. than I think we recognize. And, and I think that Pat, that touches the thought pattern even i've had that thought pattern where it's very easy to give because you feel like you're setting yourself up to be worthy of the love to give to get back but then you never really create the space to get it back so you're always working to give and working to earn it in your mind but it's just like that that mentality of 
uh, I'm in a hurry to get something done so I can finally rest when really that rest never happens because there's always another thing. Yeah. And it's, thing. So it's, it's a way to, it distract. all stems again from those attachment styles that we learn as kids with our caretakers. And if you were raised in an environment where one of one or both of your parents were very, um, kind of emotionally unavailable or made you feel, or maybe you only received love and attention when you were achieving something or doing a good job, then that plants a seed unconsciously that you need Mm -hmm. to perform an audition for love. And so that then carries into your partnerships where you're like, oh, I need to prove that I'm worth loving by doing A, B, C, D, and E. Another Mm -hmm. thing that I have had to learn about myself, um, which stems, stems from codependency. And so that's very dangerous. And a lot of us deal with codependency. It's one of the most common things in relationships. And it's understanding that I am, I'm putting myself in a position to, okay. I think we're still good. Okay. I'm putting myself in a position to feel like I am worth, I'm worthy of receiving whatever love comes to me instead of just accepting like I'm worthy of love just because I'm alive, you know, like I'm here, therefore I'm worthy. Um, Mm. And it's a very difficult, difficult habit to break because a lot of times you don't realize you're doing that. So you meet that person who triggers Mm. the fuck out of you and makes you face yourself. And then you're like, oh, wow, (laughs) I was doing all this shit that I don't even like. Mm -hmm. doing that thing again i think not a lot of us sit down and have that introspection often until you finally wake up to you don't have that watcher until Mm -hmm. you're like finally like when enough's enough you wake up and you're like whoa well i don't want to keep feeling like this or i don't want to keep doing this because it doesn't doesn't get the result that i want you have to look internally and it's so easy to point the finger and like make everything about the other person or other people And that was the thing with my book, too, is I think initially people may have felt like, oh, she's just going to talk shit about all these guys every chapter and not take accountability, Uh, which surprise. Mm. (laughs) What was that? Taylor Swift. Right. Oh, Taylor. Taylor Swift's Um, book. (laughs) It's one of those things where at some point I realized, like, yeah. Some of these men may have done things that are just inexcusable and shitty, but also I am the common denominator in all of these things. So at some point I realized that I was, I was participating in what's called the paper doll syndrome with dating and relationships, which is basically you're dealing with the same person in different bodies or the same energy, I should say, to make it clearer. And that happens because you haven't learned the lesson yet. And so, as I'm sure you know, the universe always brings back the same lessons. Jackson says hello. The universe brings back the same lessons over and over again, whether it be through different people, situations, experiences, relationships, whatever, um, until you get it. And so for me, that lesson was that codependency. That lesson was waiting for a man who's going to love me so much that it would prove that I'm worthy of it or worth of love, you know, all that stuff. Cause I didn't want to give that to myself. You know, I placed that responsibility and power in everyone else's hands. And so it's tricky, but I think the moment you're really ready to be honest with yourself and take accountability and responsibility for how you show up, that's when like the best change happens. And so, you know, some people never choose to do that and that's their own journey, but for those who are willing, like that's a great first step into like the best type of um, evolution you could hope for. I would always encourage people to um, dabble in different healing modalities, whether that be as simple as journaling. For me, yes, writing was great. And I always said, I never knew what I was thinking until I read what I said. So letting that stream of consciousness just kind of leave your body and just writing and then reading it back and being like, damn, like that's what I was thinking. That's how I'm feeling. Interesting. Um, For those who are maybe more auditory, um, recording voice memos and things like that 
can help as well as if you're talking to a friend and then listening it back. Overall, the common ground is being an observer to your thoughts. Now, however you decide to express those thoughts, whether it be through writing, speaking, praying, reading books, whatever it is, um, it's making the decision to detach from that place of everything I think is truth and everything I think is mine, because that's not always the case. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of us have subconscious fears and um, limiting beliefs and thought patterns that have just kind of been there, whether they were placed there from culture or societal pressures or religion or family or whatever else, you know, we've all, we all have different experiences and things stick and they keep, you know, running on auto loop in your mind. And then over time you just stop questioning them and you accept them as truth. So something I do, which also is just a coaching technique is that self coaching of, okay, this thought just came up. Now let me challenge it. You know, how, How true is this really? Where did this first come up? Who first said this to me? Why do I believe it? You know, trying to stay away from yes or no questions um, and really having that conversation with yourself, which I know can seem crazy because so many of us have been fed to believe that talking to yourself is like, oh, you're you're nutty. And it's like, bitch, I talk to myself all day. Like, (laughs) I have the best conversations. And quite honestly, most of my revelations and epiphanies come from those conversations, you know, and I am a firm believer that whatever is happening during those conversations, there is higher intelligence and, and divine power that is kind of there, you know, so whether that is me talking to my higher self or whatever, my guides or whatever it is that dialogue is helping me navigate. So really kind of just breaking barriers to to ask questions, like really question everything, whatever you believe to be true. Why? You know, and when? When did that start? And and why? What does it mean if it's not true? You know, what what might that entail for you? Because I think a lot of us too cling to our trauma and our pain so badly because it's become our identity and we almost don't know who we are without it. And so even with me and the problem with dating, like I ended up being known to people as, oh, Bruna from the problem with dating and Bruna with dating shit and Bruna with, and I was just like, man, I don't want that. You know, like I I don't want to be known as the woman who, you know, ends up dating all these fuck boys or can't hold a relationship or whatever. And so, you know, the time came, um, last year around, I mean, it was lingering, but I made the steadfast decision during the pandemic, um, when it first started to kind of let the problem of dating go and focus on return to self, which is my new brand and where I do all my spiritual, spiritual stuff and healing modalities, because that was always the goal anyway. You know, the problem with dating was a Trojan horse to the conversation of return to self, because Ultimately, like I was mentioning, yes, these dates and these people and lessons and all that, but it always comes back to you. And so I tried to do that with the problem with dating without being too um, intimidating and kind of people being like, what's, why is it my fault? You know, like if people aren't ready to even go there, then they won't, Mm -hmm. they won't hear it. But um, we have much more power than I think we like to acknowledge when it comes to our interactions with other people. And when I say power, I mean the power to decide what you will and won't allow. But we don't like to take responsibility or accountability for that. And so at some point I was like, okay, you know, the problem with dating was beautiful. It taught me a lot of things. It helped me establish certain things. Um, I saw what I could do with it. It's time for the next chapter which return to self. And when I tell you the second I really embraced that transition and like stood firmly in like, no, like I know it's mm-hmm. time to let go. Cause again, anytime you let something go, you create space mm-hmm. for something better. All the opportunities started coming. Like it's been flourishing and it's beautiful to see and it's very reassuring and confirming. And so 
Um, I also think it just speaks to where we're at collectively right now, you know, energetically, where a lot more people are more open to learning about spirituality and um, healing modalities and introspection. I mean, this last year has been huge on kind of taking away any sort of distraction that maybe you were using Mm -hmm. as a crutch to deal with yourself, essentially. Um, And so it's just, you know, divine timing and alignment. And it's been great. And I think you said it perfectly is with that old brand that you had, it had a specific rung on the ladder. Not that one above is better or one below is is worse. It's just that's where it's positioned. And you wanted to position a couple rungs higher in the sense that this is now giving people the opportunity to take responsibility and to heal. And um, Carolyn Mace says it perfect is healing can be one of the most intimidating things a person actually takes on because it requires an, an enormous amount of responsibility. And now you are coming out of a place of where you can literally be injured and people will take care of you. If you're living a fully empowered, mm-hmm. I make choices for my life. People don't help you because they almost find that intimidating and you don't really want them to help you because you're taking responsibility and you want to blaze your own trail. So you wanted to, you created something in the responsibility realm as opposed to before. And that's what is so interesting to see. Right. But also recognizing that like allowing yourself to receive help goes back to the whole thing of giving and receiving Mm -hmm. love and how for many people, they'd almost just rather burn out and do it all Mm -hmm. themselves um, because they don't want to deal with the possible fear of not receiving the help that they ask for because it already took so much courage to even let people know they Mm -hmm. need help that then the fear of someone being like, oh, no, I can't help you or whatever is like too much. So let's talk about return to self. What's going on there? What are we doing? We are doing all the things. So return to self. Um, the main focus for that is really remembering who you are before the world taught you who to be. So going back to what we've been talking about, kind of uh, reframing and questioning these limiting beliefs and assumptions and our ego and everything that we've constructed over time and really stripping ourselves down to remember who we are, you know, and remember who we are at our core um, before all the bullshit kind of masqueraded around it. So I do all kinds of things with return to self. As I mentioned, I do Oracle card readings. I do guided meditations. I do wellness webinars every month on various topics that feel very aligned on this journey. And so, you know, say today you're like, you know what? I'm sick of my shit. I want to I want to blaze a new path. I want to lead a different life. All kinds of shit is going to yeah. come up, you know, because now you're changing your frequency. Mm. And so um it's really just building community and um building community for those who are on this path regardless of whether it's like day 1 or day 2036, mm. you know, cuz the heat- journey never ends there's never a day when it's just like and we're done there's no arrival when that day comes yeah when that day comes it's called death so (laughs) um you know healing is an ongoing journey but what's great is the more you do it you know the less um these hurdles or triggers or whatever will affect you and your life you know you'll be able to move through it more swiftly Mm -hmm. and so I really just have made uh, made it a goal to provide whatever tools and resources that feel aligned for people on that mm-hmm. journey. So whether it is through more spiritually inclined people, through these readings or through Reiki mm-hmm. or through just sharing knowledge on chakras and energy and all of that, or these webinars for people who are more, you know, self-study types who want to learn from different experts on self-sabotage or imposter syndrome or effective communication or, you know, all the, we've had so many at this point. I'm so proud of it. And then on 
launching my podcast. So, uh-huh. you know, having those conversations, which you need to be on, by the way, just Love FYI. Having those conversations about the spiritual journey and what that entails, because I think we've all kind of, again, thanks to media, all kind of clung to this idea of what a quote spiritual awakening or spirituality looks like. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. not the case. You know, everyone's journey looks different. And it's not always, you know, meditation on this beautiful mountain. You know, it's also ugly crying out of nowhere and not understanding where the fuck all of this is coming from and dealing with um, a lot of grieving, Mm -hmm. really, you know, you're grieving relationships that no longer align, whether that be romantic relationships, friendships, family, you know, it's, there's a lot of shedding and letting go that, that doesn't get talked about enough. Mm -hmm. And again, going all the way back to our first um, conversation about let that shit go. Um, it's understanding when to let go and trusting that when you do let go, you're creating space for something better and having faith and trusting and surrendering to the fact that whatever is meant to be in your life will never leave Mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. Um, but allowing yourself to kind of trust that there might be some plot twists and sharp turns (laughs) along the way just kind of have to surrender to that and and know that you're always going to end up where you're meant to go and so yeah return to self is just kind of navigating through all of that to help those on the journey i like that and i like the way that you you utilize the language like the the language now that's accepted as far as mainstream when you talk about spirituality communication psychology healing anything is so much more expanded than even five years ago so if you were to say chakras five years ago, people are, that's woo-woo, that's witchcraft, whatever. But now I could say chakras, I could say energy centers, I can say organ centers, I can say your brain gut, I can say your heart brain, I can say a lot of things and people understand it. And I think the same goes for spirituality, where spirituality, even though it means many different things to everybody, um, where before it was, if it's, if it's, deviated from mainstream religion then it's like blasphemy questionable yeah questionable. and now it's become more of i like the phrase what is it religion is for people that like to read about spiritual experiences and spiritualities for the people that lived it Mm. and so that's a good one so it's, it's just taking that into account of like we're all divine and we all have the ability like you said to create within our choices and create how we want to live and have the fulfillment and the relationships that help us grow and learn and reveal freedom uh but it's it's so i think you're doing exactly what what you need to be doing right now because now's the time now everyone's really willing to hear it yeah and one of my best friends sent me this great quote a couple years ago Um, because again, with the problem with dating, there were so many things I wanted to do with that, that just never happened, you know, like a lot of false starts with projects and ideas. And again, as someone who's such a go-getter and a doer, it can feel very, um, defeating to be like, why is this not happening? Like, this is a great idea, you know, all this stuff. And now in hindsight, it's like, oh, it was never meant to happen with the problem with dating, it was meant to happen with return to self because everything I wanted to do with the problem with dating, I'm now doing with return to self. Mm. And, you know, it's again, all the divinity aligning, whether it's timing, whether it's my experience, whether it's the people, whether it's collective consciousness, you know, elevating to a certain frequency. It's so many things at play that all come together. Mm-hmm. And so my best friend sent me this great quote a couple years ago, and I'm going to fuck it up probably, <laughs> but it's something along the lines of, Maybe it's not that something about maybe it's not that things aren't happening for you. Maybe it's the world isn't ready yet to receive your gifts. Mm. And so it was, again, that patience and surrender of knowing, like holding true to the vision and understanding that when the time is right, it's all going to come together. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at now for those of us who are more spiritually focused, Mm. um, which also presents its own new challenges because now there's a lot of people who are 
kind of jumping on board without actually having gone through it. And so that can be tricky for those who are on the path who then follow people that may lead them astray. But again, that is their own journey. Use your discernment. You'll know whether or not someone feels good or not. Because again, lots of manipulative things happening in such tender conversations. So, you know, be careful about who you follow and, and what they preach, Mm -hmm. you know, what is, what's spirituality to you? Like, what have you come to as your working definition as of right now? Yeah. That's so funny. That's my question to people on my show. (laughs) And yet have I asked that for myself? Um, yes. So I'm still learning to be completely transparent, but as of right now, return to self is spirituality for me. Um, that idea of returning back home essentially. And to me, home is defined as you, you know, coming back to myself and not trying to build homes in other people or in my work or, you know, trying to cultivate anything outside of myself because that's, you know, that's not where anything can really be sustained, you know, it's back here. And so spirituality to me was really finding out what works and what doesn't for me Mm -hmm. and finding out what, um, beliefs I actually hold on to and which ones maybe don't resonate with me, but also understanding that we don't all have to agree and that's Mm -hmm. okay. And just kind of finding the magic, you know, in everyday life and seeing the synchronicities and the, um, the signs that you are being guided, you know, Mm -hmm. as much as you have the power to manifest and to create your reality There's also this beautiful understanding that you're not doing it all alone. And for people like me who are very quick to be like, well, it's all on me, you know, all this pressure on my shoulders to make sure I don't fuck up and all this stuff. And it's like, but you can't. Mm -hmm. You might feel like you are, but you don't see the big picture. And so it's really, for me, spirituality taught me faith and it taught me surrender and it taught me trust. Those are my big three words, which I still struggle with, of course. It's a Mm day-to-day thing. Mm-hmm. But it's been a beautiful journey of realizing like, wow, I worry so much about things that I don't need to worry about. Like the mm-hmm. way things will just happen and work in your favor when you allow yourself to just be. Mm-hmm. Instead of, again, going back to that auditioning and performing for self-worth and love. Yeah. For what? You're alive. That's all you got to do. Like, you know, you just. That is the performance. That is, that's it. Just wake up. I remember one of, one of the first, it, it wasn't even spiritual to me at the time, but I think is one of like the most spiritual phrases I've ever heard. And it still sticks to me. And it, it might sound really general and kind of like nothing, but one of the doctors that taught me, um, he said, very, very early on, he goes, you can only control about 4% of the things in your life. And within those 4%, make it massive, make it as big as you want, make it as organized as you want. And then the rest takes care of itself. If you're worrying about the other 96%, you like you're missing. Mm -hmm. And just like that alone, I'm like, I can control a very small amount, but then that small amount reaps massive gains and that can change wherever we go. Right. As long as you control, you know, the way you show up, which is really one of the only things you can control, then you can at least trust like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show up the best I can in this moment. Mm -hmm. What else can you ask for? You know, whatever else happens, happens. You did your part. Mm -hmm. You can't control anything else. And so when you really start to practice that more and you really start to accept that, There's a sense of peace there of knowing like there's really nothing else I could have done. Mm -hmm. And if there was like the opportunity will present itself again and I will be, um, I'll know, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll know what, what needs to be done next. But at this time, in this point of my life, I did my best. Even if your best doesn't necessarily look 
like it quote should, which should mm-hmm. is a dirty word. We should just let that go. I just should should's the bad word. I don't right. like that word. Stop shitting on yourself. Um, <laughs> should is could with shame. That's what we learn mm-hmm. from coaching. So mm-hmm. really, um, again, questioning who said that I needed to be this way, who said that I should do this or that and realizing that, you know what, all you can do is do your best and your best mm-hmm. is going to look different every single day. But if you can end your day looking back at how you interacted with the world or dealt with whatever situation and you can be like, all right, I did my best. Like that's all you can ask for. And if you mm-hmm. didn't, that's okay too. That's a learning opportunity. You're like, man, I really regret the way I spoke to that person. I was acting out of, you know, anger. Remedy the situation if you can. And if not, now you know the next time something like that comes up, which it will, because the universe mm-hmm. will always boomerang back to be like, all right, you said you wanted to do that differently. So here's another opportunity. <laughs> Serving it up. Right. Then do it. Do you do you do nightly assessments or do you do like a bookend to your day morning and afternoon routine morning and evening routine um one one thing it sounds like you're reciting is uh it's something similar to what i do is at the end of the day i assess what are my favorite things that happened today what made me feel good and then i'll even do the inverse like what happened that i didn't feel good about Mm -hmm. and what's really fun about that is Nine times out of 10, if not 10 out of 10 times, you have way more things that you liked happen or that made you happy happen than the things that you didn't like. Mm-hmm. And that's like one practice. I think you're kind of saying that right now. When you assess your day, you you homework your day. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, I think that's a, it's a fun way to book in the day where you're like, oh, my day was pretty great. Even if it was like the little things. Mm-hmm. I... I do. I have something similar that I do. I will say though, in all honesty, my root, like I drop on my routine sometimes. Like I'm not doing it every single day. Um, But I've also learned to show myself grace in those moments because I can be so structured that the second I deviate from it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I failed. You know, like I can't help. And it's like, you're tired. Okay. Like, okay. But I do try to do different routines um, or at least just I like to call them rituals, you know, so whether that is in the morning, writing in my journal um, and praying something new that I've been doing. And it's I've seen the shift immediately is in the morning I pray and whether you want to use the word pray or set intentions, whatever it is to me, it's the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just I phrase everything in gratitude as if it's already happened. And so the more you look into, like, there's a great book by Rhonda Byrne called The Magic. It's kind of like another, the secret, but it's all based on gratitude. And so setting intentions or praying at the top of your day, for an example, like, you know, thank you for the unexpected money that hit my account today. Thank you for the great news that I heard today. Thank you for... All this different stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You deem it so, so it will happen, you know? And Mm -hmm. when I have started doing this, I get unexpected money. I get great news, you know, all kinds of stuff because I'm letting the universe know in advance, this is the energy I'm setting for my day. And I already thank you for it because I already believe it's happening. So Mm -hmm. doing that and then um, I do, because I do a lot of spiritual work and energy work, I clear ground and shield every morning, um, which is basically just to make sure because I am also highly sensitive and all that good shit. I want to make sure mm-hmm. because I'm dealing with so many different people's energies that I'm not absorbing them because uh, mm-hmm. then I'm of no use to anybody. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's different things throughout the day that I like to do, but then at the end of the night, yeah, I, it's actually another practice from the magic book, which is, you know, they tell you to pick a magic rock, which is basically mm-hmm. you choose and now you deem it as mm-hmm. the magic rock. And before you go to bed, you hold your magic rock and you thank the universe or whoever for the best part of your day. 
And mm. so the idea is that you get to a point where there are so many of those moments that it's even hard mm. to pick one. Um, mm. And so again, it's reframing and building that um, process of always seeing gratitude and living in gratitude as opposed to seeing how everything's going wrong or what didn't go right or, you know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And again, it's so easy to slip into that thought pattern too. Oh, absolutely. Especially, you know, the way media is here and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of stuff that, and understandably so, you know, um, but that's mm -hmm. why it's then your responsibility to make sure that you are taking the time to, check in with yourself and be like, all right, yeah, there's a lot of bullshit happening, but like, there's also great things happening that are not acknowledged. Mm -hmm. So let me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's amazing how just a few great things make us forget all that other bullshit. Right. Because it's, again, it's easy to drown in everything that went wrong, but then everything that went right or went in your favor, is just kind of hanging out in the background. Like, Hey, so mm -hmm. that's kind of rude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and again, if you want to attract more abundance, then you need to live in a way that is letting the universe know energetically that like, I see it. I see these blessings mm -hmm. happening in my life and I appreciate them and I thank them and I want more of them, you know, really getting into the practice of asking for what you want and already showing gratitude as if it's already happening. Like there is no if, ands, or buts. Mm -hmm. This is what I am calling into my life. And it, if it is of the highest good for me and all involved, then so be it. Like it's already happening. Um, mm -hmm. Even then, a lot of people don't give themselves the room to figure out what they do want. You know, they mm -hmm. what they want, but energetically, they're not showing up in a way to receive it. So there's like mm -hmm. a lot of contradiction that needs to be cleared. Yeah. And a lot of times that, that requires them letting go of their their current situation, even if their current situation isn't great, that it's comfort, it's the known. So the acknowledgement that the unknown is, could be better sometimes isn't even enough for them to let go of the known, even if they are miserable. So it's right. creating so much momentum that like, no, 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 I'm worth it. I can create this. I'm going to create this. It's already happening. Let's go. Right. And Joe Dispenza is already showing it in his work. Like those elevated emotions change your brain, change the wiring in your brain. Right. What does coaching look like with you? If we can have a quick five minute synopsis, if I were to dive right into Bruna coaching back to self, mm. what, what are you giving them? That's hilarious because on my to-do list for today was to really configure my coaching plans. <laughs> <laughs> right now my coaching is more group focused um but i do want to mm -hmm. offer one-on-one -on -one coaching because i think it would be hugely beneficial but it's really catered to it's catered to however is best for you to receive it so because of what i do i i tend to attract spiritually inclined people which is great because that's, mm -hmm. that's what i do and so mm -hmm. A one-on-one -on -one relationship with me would look like um, weekly coaching calls. And what we do in those calls is completely determined by you and what you need in that moment. But what I do is I serve as kind of like we were talking about earlier, being an observer to your thoughts. Sometimes that can be really difficult to do on your own. That's why I would step in and become that person for you and really challenge and question you, not through judging or anything, but I may notice certain patterns or things that you're saying that you don't because you're so used to saying it. And I can then mm -hmm. mirror that back to you and reflect that back to you. So it's a nice fun bag of coaching calls. It's Reiki, it's readings, if that's what you want. It's diving into your astrological chart to like see maybe, you know, if your um, if astrology is something that interests you, seeing how that might play a role into how things um, show up for you. It's taking an energy leadership assessment with me, which basically um, is a short online assessment that you take that helps measure your energy levels on a regular day. And then when you're triggered by stress. And so it's based mm. off of seven levels of energy, which of course are funny enough correlated to the chakras. 
and kind of, of the emotions that those entail. And so then we have like a 90 minute debrief and I let you know like, okay, on a good day, you're very collaborative. You're big on um, creativity, creating uh, projects and working with other people and it's expansive. But the second you get triggered by stress, you go into a mode of victim blaming and anger and all of that. So let's figure out how we can start working on that so that in moments of stress, you don't automatically go on autopilot. Because again, it's all about being conscious and aware of how you show up. We want to minimize um, reactions so you're not reactive. You're, you're consciously responding, you know. So everything is happening on a conscious level. Um, I love it. But yeah, until that happens, I do offer memberships, return to self memberships. So those are monthly. They're very affordable. It's $7.77 a month. And through that, I do um, monthly angel and love readings. I do um, educational posts. I do... um, what else? All kinds of stuff. I just try to offer whatever resources and knowledge I can to help people on this journey. And if they're not ready to do one-on-one work, then they can join the membership and see how they feel and then go from there. I love it. It sounds like you have a lot of really cool projects coming up. I'm really excited to see what Listen, you Listen, I'm never not doing something. So. I love it. Well, Bruna, this has been awesome. I feel like we only tapped the iceberg that is you. So can you drop where everybody can find you on social and um, how they can find you? Yeah. So you can find me on um, Instagram and Twitter at Bruna Nessif, B-R-U-N-A-N-E-S-S-I-F. You can also, um, I just started an Instagram page for return to self. So that's return to self dot me. M-E, which is the same as the web link to the content that I put out for Return to Self. So you can also find some cool stuff on returntoself.me. And I think that's it. And then the Return to Self podcast, which is going to be streaming on all platforms. Awesome. I love it. I'm excited. Thank you. And then we'll have to, we'll have to do one soon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks for coming on this week, Bruna. Thank you all for listening. And this is Vital Conversations Podcast. Uh, leave a comment, review, helps the podcast a lot. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Boom. This is Vital Conversations. Conversations.